Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. We are recording this on September 10th, 2021. I want to welcome you to our podcast. It's a weekly podcast, as best as we can make it weekly, and most weeks it is. And uh, I am Larry Landon. I'm a retiree and a volunteer working in communications with NTEU Chapter 49. And we welcome you, and we welcome also our chapter president, Duncan Giles, our regular uh, uh, cohort on this particular program. Great to have you back, Duncan. Good to be here, Larry. And those of you watching on video can see we have a guest this week, and our guest is Jim Bailey. Jim Bailey is the executive vice president for the National Treasury Employees Union on the on the national level. In fact, uh, he is second in command, the only person in the NTEU organization that is higher than Jim Bailey would be our national president, Tony Reardon. So, Jim Bailey, thank you for carving out time and a busy schedule to be with us today. My pleasure, gentlemen. Well, we have plenty to talk about and we plan on carving out the first part of this podcast. And by the way, normally it's 30 minutes. This may go over that. We have so much to talk about. But uh, the buzz right now in the entire federal employee sector is the announcement made by President Joe Biden yesterday, the executive order that was issued after the announcement uh, mandating vaccination for federal employees. Uh, there's a lot we do know. There's an awful lot we don't know. But I'm going to ask Jim Bailey to start the discussion because, Mr. Bailey, you are an attorney. And one question Duncan and I have been receiving on a regular basis just in the last several hours, how does the President of the United States have the legal authority to do this? So if you could enlighten us on, on that issue, we would appreciate it. Well, um, the President, under his authority under Title V of um, the U.S. Code, is effectively sort of the boss of the federal workforce. Um, if you look at the, the the terminology of the executive order, it references certain sections in Title V that um, effectively give the president that authority. It also talks about um, what an agency is and who's covered. There's been some um, questions about whether the Postal Service is covered by this, and the answer is no, because the president doesn't have direct line or personnel authority over the U.S. Postal Service. They're run by a uh, independent board of governors. Um, you know, a couple of the questions uh, we sort of uh, anticipated that this might be coming um, uh, a vaccine mandate. Um, if you look at especially as those attestation numbers were coming in um, under the testing protocols, uh, there were a huge number of uh, employees that the, IR, or the IRS in particular, I guess, but um, the federal government of the different agencies were going to have to test either once or twice a week. Um, when you started looking at the logistics of that, um, boy, you know, seeing a vaccine, a vaccine mandate down the road, um, well, you could see it. Let's just put it that way. Um as far as so that's where the president's authority comes from. You know, one of the questions in this is always, well, OK, what about individual rights and liberties? Right. We all none of us like to be told what to do. Um, none of us like to be told we have to get a, a shot. Um, and so, you know, the, the legal issues that come up around that are, uh, first of all, do I have any constitutional rights? Right. Do I have any due process rights, rights to liberty or you know, the integrity of my own body. 
Um, you know, this, uh, as far as vaccine mandates go, um, there was a Supreme Court decision in uh, 1905 called Jacobson versus Massachusetts, where um, somebody challenged a vaccine mandate um, in the state of Massachusetts, and it went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court um, rejected that challenge then and said, you know, states have the, the right to do it. Um, since that time, there's been a number of uh, other challenges to different um, school vaccine mandates, and um, they've, they've all been rejected by the courts. Um, the, the, the current, I guess, lead case, if you will, is on challenging um, a vaccine mandate is a case right out of your state of Indiana. Um, it's that Claussen case that you've, everybody is probably pretty familiar with, um, that um, uh, where an injunction was denied by uh, the district court. Uh, the Seventh Circuit affirmed that, went up to the Supreme Court, and um, the newest justice, um, Justice Barrett, um, rejected that. So, um, and, and the, the two main claims there were uh, it individ, uh, it, uh, a vaccine mandate violates my right to um, liberty under the uh, 14th Amendment. And also there was a, a religious, a free exercise of religion claim there. Um, so courts have, uh, when it comes to constitutional challenges, courts have pretty much come down on the side of the government when it comes to um, vaccine mandates um, in the, when it gets into the, uh, you know, the public health arena. Um, the next area we, of course, look at as a labor organization is, well, do uh, agencies as employers have the right to mandate um, vaccines? And um, there are, it's pretty well settled. There's some Federal Labor Relations Authority decisions on this that basically say agencies have the right, as part of their right to determine internal security practices, to um, A, mandate testing, and B, mandate vaccines. Um, there's there's um, a couple of key cases that have come up on that, and, and, and that's pretty much settled. I guess the third area you could sort of look at, um, I'm a lawyer, um, and you look at it as an employment lawyer. Well, what about, um, are there any personnel laws? Are there any discrimination laws that might come into play here? Um, and the EEOC has uh, weighed in on this um, as early as uh, last December. Um, when a vaccine, um, vaccines were first being um, developed and, 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 and coming out. Um, and their guidance is pretty clear that they recognize that um, um, employers have the right to mandate vaccines with two major exceptions. If you have um, somebody has an underlying medical condition that keeps them, prevents them from being vaccinated, uh, agencies have to reasonably accommodate um, that condition, I'll find some sort of accommodations for them. And we, of course, can talk about what those might be. Uh, there's a similar um, exception for those who have so-called sincerely held religious beliefs. Um, if you have a sincerely held religious belief that um, precludes you from being vaccinated, um, it's not an absolute protection against a vaccine mandate, but agencies must try to accommodate those beliefs. So that's sort of the, the state of the law on this. Um, go ahead, Larry. Yeah, we're we're going to explore some of that you, you've already mentioned. But before I turn this over to Duncan uh, to ask you some questions and discuss this, I think the next part of all this is, is, is the fact that this executive order is an outline. It, it gives us some idea what is going to happen. It does not provide much detail. 
I assume some of that will be coming from the government, Office of Personnel Management, other government agencies to give the details uh, to people uh, in the federal government as to how this is all going to work, a lot of what you've outlined here before. So I guess the question I would ask you, as best you can determine it now, based on the executive order and what we know, what will the government be telling us about how this will work, and what areas will the union have the opportunity to negotiate with the management of the various agencies, such as IRS, as this rolls out? Yes, the details will be forthcoming from this outfit called the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force. I think I have that name right. But basically, it consists of representatives of the Office of Management and Bus Budget, uh, Office of Personnel Management, and um, uh, members of the White House staff. Um, I am actually, in a couple of hours, going to be on a conference call with um, that group, um, along with representatives of other unions and representatives of NTU, where we're going to be uh, asking a lot of these questions and probably um, I expect hearing more details. Uh, what are some of those questions? And these would also be areas that we would, um, you know, bargain. Um, and, and namely, um, you know, is that November 22nd date, you know, a hard date? Is there any slippage on that? You know, what type of proof uh, of vaccination might be required? What kind of privacy protocols are going to be in place to protect, um, you know, personal information, including um, proof of vaccination? Um, we'll probably talk about uh, the accommodation um, process and what kind of process should agencies have in place to accommodate those with medical and religious objections. Um, we will maybe I expect we'll be talking about um, vaccine options. Um, does it have to be Pfizer? Uh, can it be Moderna? You know, what about J&J? Um, we will probably, uh, you know, there's already provisions in place, guidelines in place uh, that require agencies to give uh, employees time on the clock to get vaccinated, time to travel to a vac get vaccinated, um, recovery time up to two days. We'll talk about making those permanent, keeping those in place. Um, we'll probably be talking about um, a mask, you know, the mask mandates and how long and do those stay in place um, once um, employees have been vaccinated. Uh, I imagine that will be impacted by um, the numbers, um, just the positive tests, um, those types of things. But we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, you know, will uh, the testing protocols that were implemented previously, will those remain in place? So a whole host of issues, but those are those are a few of them. And I'll turn this over to our chapter president, Duncan Giles. Yeah, I first off, thank you, Jim, for such great in-depth explanation, because this is the information that employees want to know. And what we're hearing, you know, what I hear on the ground and I'm sure what national office is hearing and I'm sure every chapter across the country will. They can't make me an NTU ought to stop it. And folks need to realize, first off, as Jim said, this is settled law. NTU will fight anything that is a unjust decision, unjust law, not based in law, things of that nature. But right now, we have seen no legal basis to be able to protest this mandate if we so if national NTU so desired to do so. So people who are getting upset with NTU over this. I'm sorry, but that's misdirected. 
you know, I think employees need to know this because we have urged, you know, everybody at National NTU, you know, myself as a chapter president, and I'm sure many other chapter leaders out there have absolutely endorsed and uh, told people to please get vaccinated, especially because of this Delta variant. And we just need to, you know, realize there are some things that the union can assist with. As Jim mentioned, the impact and implementation of the issues surrounding this. But to say, okay, we don't like this edict, therefore NTU must fight it because we don't like it is unfortunately not something that we can legally do as much as we might like to do so. I think he's looking for a reaction from you, Jim. Well, that, that was the pregnant pause there. Okay. Uh, let me <laughs> um, I'm always looking well, for a reaction um, from think, Jim. Usually uh, it's a smack I, I in think, the head. I think Duncan's absolutely right. And But uh, let me layer this on top of that. I, you know, this, the, the, the testing protocols and now the vaccine mandate is, um, presents a real challenge for NTU as an organization. And it's not unlike um, other issues that we've had to deal with before when it comes to the tension between individual rights and, um, you know, what's in the interests of our members as a whole. Uh, and, you know, as Tony has said repeatedly in his messages, um, I mean, as Duncan says, the, the law is pretty settled in this area, um, you know, that, that the employer has the right to do it. Um, this is a, um, a divisive issue, uh, a, you know, potentially divisive issue for this union, because when you look at our membership, um, you know, if you look at society at large right now, um, it's it's somewhat polarized. I mean, you have folks across the political spectrum. Um, our membership is no different than that. Um, they come down all over across the board on, on, on this particular issue. Um, what, you know, two things, you know, we need to keep in mind, I think. And, and number one is, um, you know, the health and safety of our members is um, our number one concern. And, you know, sometimes, you know, our individual desire, you know, our individual rights, this is always a tension in constitutional law, too. And what, you know, where does the right, your right to your individual rights and, and the rights of, you know, the, the larger collective interests take precedence? Um, you know, that's an issue that is, is presented by this vaccine mandate. It was presented by the, the testing, too. Um, but the one thing, you know, I would like our, our members to keep in mind is, you know, as divisive as this issue may be, you know, we need to keep in mind that we have a lot more in common um, and we accomplish a lot more together um, uh, than we do, uh, you know, individually. And so notwithstanding the different opinions about this particular issue, we need to keep focused on the fact that, you know, we're a union. Um, and we have a lot that we can do together and we shouldn't let, I mean, this is a tough time for us. It's a tough time for the country, but we shouldn't let this issue divide us, um, split us up. Um, let's, and that's why we as a union have focused on the fact that, you know, okay, if the government as an employer has the right to do this, all right, let's just accept that fact as reality and let's start dealing with the details. 
let's start, let's move on as, as a union and, and do it together. Speaking of the details, uh, Jim, I, I think that uh, the one question Duncan and I have received more than any other deals with this reasonable accommodation for religious reasons. Uh, you know, the question has come up, what is a religious reason? How would, if, for instance, uh, an IRS employee would say, I have a religious objection to taking the vaccination, uh, how will the agency look at that? How will the agency evaluate that? What's the burden on the employee? We have some uh, idea what the law says on this. So can you uh, talk about that a little bit as far as what we know in that regard? Yes. Well, the mechanics or the, the process of uh, an employee voicing um, their religious objection to being vaccinated is something we're going to need to still work out. That's one of those details. Um, as far as the law goes, the EEOC guidance that I'd referenced earlier speaks to this. Um, you know, the law says you must accommodate sincerely uh, held religious beliefs. Um, the EEOC, and I think this is wise advice, counsels agencies against delving into or questioning whether that religious belief is sincerely held. Uh, it's not a, that's not a, a good area for employers to get into, We're questioning somebody's subjective belief. Um, their advice is and their, their guidance is, you know, if somebody voices a sincerely held religious belief, they say, I sincerely believe this, accept that and focus on the accommodation piece. What can be done to then accommodate um, that, that, that objection to a vaccine? Now, the law, if you read it closely, um, you know, an agency's accommodation obligations as far as sincerely held religious beliefs go is not as strong or as high as it is for um, employees with medical conditions. Exactly. So that's something that's going to remain to be seen is how far agencies, including the IRS, are willing to go with accommodating those beliefs. But accommodations could include something like, um, for example, I, I can't be, you know, my, my religion keeps me from being vaccinated. Okay. Um, can we provide that person um, a telework option? Is, do they have, can we give them portable work or do they have portable work where they're not interacting with their coworkers, where, you know, their unvaccinated status is not going to present a, a, a threat or a risk to, to their colleagues. Um, so that those are the kinds of issues I think that we'll get into in, in that area as this, as this rolls out. So what I'm hearing you say, Jim, is that there's a lot to be determined here and that uh, we as a chapter and you as the National Union will be informing everyone as to how the this guidance moves along and uh, we'll we'll be letting people know. Duncan, uh, let's, let's get one more shot at this. Anything you want to ask, uh, Jim, before we move on to another subject? Um, I, you know, again, just reinforcing that we're looking at this legally in every different way, you know, whether whether they can do the vaccine mandate. Yes, they can. We've looked at this backwards and forwards. And, you know, we're going to look at, as you said, Jim, the accommodations. And what people need to keep in mind are a couple of things. First off, you know, I, I think in what I've been hearing from some scuttlebutt, sincerely held belief is going to be, like you said, it's not a smart area for them to delve into, but I do think that they're going to be you know, if people have had this sincerely held belief since, uh, you know, 930 yesterday, 
uh, there could be some issues with that one. And like you said, the bar is lower and it has to be a reasonable accommodation for the government. And that's that's something I think, too. And, and employees who have been vaccinated are saying, OK, so I have to come into the office once the evacuation order is lifted. But the people who are unvaccinated don't. I mean, there there are a whole lot of moving parts to this that are still going to have to be worked out. And if you could talk a little bit about those as well. Um, absolutely. I mean, there are challenges on, on, on multiple levels. Um, you know, there's just, uh, um, the, you know, just basic rules of sense of fairness, you know, equity. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you, you want to treat people to some extent uniformly, but, you know, there, you, we also have to recognize those, those individual issues and, I mean, the individual objections and the in some people's individual conditions. And um, that's the thing we're going to have to navigate. Um, I mean, we'll have you know, some general procedures laid out, but um, the devil is always in the details, as they say. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be in the application of those procedures. That's that's where the tough work is going to be done. That's where Duncan's going to be very busy. Um, because yeah, I don't have enough that, work anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that all of that stuff gets done at the at the job level at the work site. Um, so it, it it will be a challenge, but um, you know NTU is up to the challenge. We we always have been. Yep. Before we move on to something else, uh, Jim, anything you want to say in closing on this issue of vaccinations, which is creating so much conversation in all the workplaces and every place people gather virtually or in person at the IRS and other agencies. Any final comment before we move on? Just, you know, sort of reemphasize what I, I said earlier, and that is, you know, look, let's all recognize that this is, you know, this is a real challenge, just like the, the pandemic is for all of us. But, you know, if we hang in there together, uh, we stick together on this, um, we respect each other's different opinions on this, um, we're going to get through it. And, um, you know, that I'll just leave it at that. On that note, I, I, uh, for, uh, I don't know what else to say, except I want to thank, uh, Jim Bailey for joining us, Jim. Uh, you, I know you're a busy man and particularly in, in this, this, this date and time, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to folks. I think you've given us a lot of good information, uh, about the vaccination mandate and many other things. So Jim, thank you so much for, for joining us today. My pleasure. And uh, Duncan Giles, always good to talk to you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Larry. This is uh, the Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, again, it's weekly, as weekly as we can make it. Uh, if you uh, like this podcast, please uh, don't be afraid to let other people know about it. We are available on just about every podcast platform. Just uh, search under podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N, and you'll find my podcast. I produce a number of them. Just look for the Chapter 49 podcast. We're also on YouTube. Just look up Duncan Giles and his uh, YouTube channel. You can, uh, you can uh, subscribe to that, and you'll receive all of our Chapter 49 podcasts. So thank you for listening. Be safe and be kind.